1: slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month.
0: Hello, boys and girls. Hello, Emily. Always good to be Talking Metal.
2: Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal podcast, home of all things hard rock and heavy metal. I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. Hey guys welcome to another edition of talking metal i'm here with my co-host and my wife emily striegel how are you emily doing good we are both very excited to go down to the rock carnival and see overkill monster magnet fuel hailstorm zebra twisted sister alice cooper ace fraley and so many more who are you looking forward to seeing emily
3: Looking forward to seeing Monster Magnet. I haven't seen them forever. Really, really love them. Ace Frehley, Overkill, of course. So looking forward to that. Twisted Sister, Alice Cooper. Love Alice Cooper. So um, just everyone. I'm really looking forward. And some bands I haven't seen. I've never seen The Used.
2: Me neither. The Used, uh, a lot of great. Hal Storm is playing, of course. Blue Aster Cult, a band I've never seen. Zebra, a band I've never seen, believe it or not can't wait to, for this festival it is down in lakewood new jersey and please please uh, come down to new jersey and check this out because it's a once in a lifetime event one of twisted sisters final performances uh, it, re- it was supposed to be their absolute final performance but it seems like that might not be the case anymore ace Fraley of kiss fame oh it's going to be an amazing three-day event lots of craft beer lots of food trucks kids are free we might bring our kids down on sunday we're debating that. It's going to be an absolutely incredible weekend, three-day weekend, September 30th through October 2nd in Lakewood, New Jersey, the rock carnival. We'll have the links through today's show notes on talkingmetal.com. And speaking of overkill and speaking of the rock carnival, today's guest, Bobby Blitz, the interview conducted by my wife, Emily Striegel. And uh, Emily, why don't we get into some overkill right now? This is Armistice, and then we're gonna hear your interview with Bobby Blitz after this song.
3: Hello Talking Metal listeners, it's Emily Striegel coming at you today with the amazing Bobby Blitz from Overkill. How are you doing today, Bobby? Hey, how are you? I'm in
0: the office and uh, I was waiting for your call. I was actually going over a few mixes and uh, you know doing that stuff that us metallic people do.
3: Awesome. Awesome. Can I hear some of the mixes? No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'll play them over the phone. You'll be able to get a real good feel for them that way. You're not serious. Are you serious? I know. Well, that's why I'll come over later. I'm in Jersey, too. Did you know that? Okay, didn't, didn't we see each other down in, when's the last, we saw each other yes. in Dingbats? No? Yes, that's yes, right. It Dingo's across the street from Dingbats. Dingos, Dingo's down, right. How's, I, uh, how's Mark doing? Everything he's, well? He's awesome. He's awesome. He's really sad he can't do the interview today, but... You know, I we both work full time, but I work from home, so I have a little more flexibility than he does to do like daytime interviews. So like, yeah. um, but it's fun because you know I got to do Jeff Tate a couple weeks ago, and you know if it doesn't work out for the evening hours, uh, he usually asks me to pick up the interview. But yeah, he's sad he wasn't able to um, to do today, but that's hey, his loss is my gain. I get to I get to talk to Bobby Blitz.
0: That's right. It's kind of like, I mean, for both of us, we're just kind of like cheating on the work thing. I mean, you call it work, but the reality of it is it's just conversational. You're just kind of taking a break, you pour a cup of coffee or whatever you do, and then
3: oh, it's just amazing. have a short
0: conversation.
3: I know. I, break. I love working from home. It's fantastic because I have a lot of uh, flexibility that way. So very okay, cool. I
0: always thought it was really funny because uh, I do the same and have, uh, since the band started managing itself back in the 90s, so my commute is from like my bedroom down to my office. And I, you know, I've been working out this stuff over in Europe going, listen, man, it's just not going to work. And if this guy could see me with my hair sticking out, sitting here in my underpants, checking <laughs> my dog, throwing coffee on myself,
3: he'd have respect for me. <laughs> I know. You know, I was on a conference. I mean, I'm constantly on conference calls, constantly. And we do a lot of like WebEx where you're presenting and sometimes Occasionally my camera on my computer would like click on. And like I here I am in the like, same thing, hair sticking straight out in my pajamas or whatever. So I actually put a I put a postage stamp over the camera because if it ever happens again I don't want that to ever happen again. So, anyway. You listening to me, mister. We're either getting that extra show or.
0: <laughs> I, know, I can't take this person seriously. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> I'm
3: so excited to see you guys in your home state of New Jersey on October 1st at the Rock Carnival. So, we have, gosh, we have Ace Fraley, Twisted Sister, Monster Magnet, Alice Cooper, Hailstorm, Overkill. So many amazing bands playing um, that weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. How about you?
0: Well, you know, I think we're one of those uh, flag flying, uh, Jersey strong, uh, three decades long uh, kind of a band. I mean, so uh, for us to partake in something like this, obviously for us, is only natural. I mean, it's all, you know, there's always a certain pride that comes out of New Jersey. I think it's that working class ethic and that uh, ability to let loose when necessary. Uh, so I think uh, you put two together, you get Overkill. You put three together, you get uh, Overkill at the Rock Carnival. And I think, I think it's a great lineup, and it's going to be just a killer show.
3: Totally. I cannot wait. So wh- where exactly in New Jersey is Overkill from? This is one thing I've, I've, I don't really know. Well, we're all spread out at this point. I actually grew up in uh, Rockland
0: County in New York, but I've been living in Jersey since uh, the mid-'80s. Uh the band started in uh the summits New Providence area. Uh so Union County. Yep. So let's say uh fifteen minutes west of the Holland Tunnel. Yeah. Uh, that's where it started. Then we rehearsed in Staten Island and back in Jersey and now in Jersey for good now for oh approximately twenty twenty five years I guess.
3: Yep, Jersey Strong for sure. You know when I think Jersey of Jersey <laughs> Strong three <laughs> decades long. It's <laughs> pretty awesome. So you, there is a new Overkill album on the way, um, supposedly titled Grinding Wheel. So um, yes, I want to hear a little bit wheel. about this. Grinding Wheel, I was right. Okay, so let's hear a little bit about this. Are so you done recording it? And where did you record it? And any details you can share on, uh, on the new album?
0: Yeah, I mean, the great
3: part about a new album
0: is that it's new. Uh, opportunity. You know, I, I think somewhere inside ourselves, though, at the end of the day, we're always overkill. We always think, oh, here we go. It's our chance to take over the world again. And and I think that that becomes a motivating factor. You know, it's not just another record. It's, it's a new record. That, that's what makes the difference every time around. And I, I think it's probably our best foot forward when it comes to thinking about a project as we go into it with that type of an excitement. So... You, you get it. Uh, uh, a band that is based, let's say, in the history of, of heavy metal uh, with regard to those three decades I mentioned earlier. But you also get that excitement, which gives us kind of, let's say, a current or, uh, you know, a modern-day viability uh, uh, of value in the present day. So so I think that, you know, this is what uh, overkills, let's say, key to success with uh, regard to recording uh, this many records over this amount of time is that will give everyone like a new opportunity. And we did record it in Jersey. a um, uh, little bit of Dee Dee's. Uh There was some stuff done in Florida uh, with Dave David. did vocals with a uh, local guy up here. Uh, so we kind of spread it out. But when we start it and we finish it, we're always kind of doing it together. So it's uh, let's say, a combination of new school technology. Uh, versus that old-school, let's sit in uh, the rehearsal hall, open a few beers, and, uh, uh, you know, sweat. So I, it's uh, so it's both.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's best-case scenario, too, because you can't expect to do it totally old-school. But I think going new school and doing everything kind of virtually, so to speak, doesn't, eh, you lose a little bit there, too. So that sounds like a good deal that you've got a mixed model there. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's it's necessary to
0: stay current with what's going on. You know, let, let, let's say reinvent, uh, teach the old dog new tricks. And and obviously we've been in tune and in touch with this since uh, that technology has been available to us and just kind of adapted to it uh, with regard to that reinvention. But, uh, you know, the idea for us about being a band, you know, you know our, our social media the old days was shaking hands and, and wearing out the soles of our sneakers, putting flyers on the windshield wipers, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, the idea is that if, you, know, if you can still have that principle uh, instilled within you uh, when it comes to it, making music, that it is that kind of a social event, even for the five of us, uh, to be in that room together, I think he did great success because it's, uh, it's the confirmation of band uh, as opposed to
3: individuals. Totally, totally. I love that concept. You know, and like you said, so there, you guys have been around for 30 years. I mean, so many bands who have been around as long as Overkill seem not to release as much new music. And one thing, you guys are kind of the exception to that, with new albums coming out like every two years, even. So, what inspires you to keep creating new music? And is this something that just pushes you forward or something you you know just crave like every couple of years it's time to do it again
0: it's funny you know I, I, uh, I, I sit on MTV it was probably uh, 20 years ago I was asked the question I was sitting there and it came flying out of my mouth like this we're like Irish Catholics clockwork every nine months <laughs> and then <laughs> well you know I'm Irish Catholic I suppose I could say that even in this <laughs> but, see, but 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 I think that I think they edited. First of all, okay. <laughs> oh my god! But I, but I think, but I think it really is. Uh, and I said it early on when you asked about the rock carnival. Uh, I think it's work ethic. Uh, I think we're happier with our tools on that. Um, you know, we're not artists. Uh, we're we're much more uh, these blue collar guys who are, who are craftsmen with regard to it. And if you're happier with your tools on, as opposed to wondering why the world doesn't accept your genius. Um, I, I think that you can get some pretty good results by, let's say, no, nose to the grindstone kind of a thing. You know, um, making it happen, uh, forcing the issue, and and I think that's always been our principle: is that you know we look at this as we're you know we're in the fight, and and you don't stop fighting. If you stop fighting, you lose. And and somewhere in there, that is is probably a hidden principle within us uh, that makes that music come out uh, with current day value and uh let's say quite regularly over those over those decades of
3: the past well it works for you and i mean that kind of work ethic i think is hard to find nowadays bands that you know expect it just to come to them you guys are kind of the opposite you guys are out there still working for it and i think your audience you know sees that well you're, you're you know you're if you think of it as
0: that fight, you're, you're in the fight to win the fight. You know, you, know, you don't go in to lose, you, you go in to win. Uh, and when when that becomes part of the forethought, I think you're always putting your best foot forward. Well, one of the proudest things that, that I have with regard to this band is that, uh, under the circumstances, every time, uh, whether it be live or whether it be in the studio, we've done the best that we could. Um, or exceeded that in some cases, um, because of, you know, let's say all the, uh, the stars lining up or everybody giving that extra percentage, you know, that, sure, there is such a thing as a hundred percent, but there's that little extra, you know, that, uh, whether you equate it to an athlete or, uh, whether you equate it to, uh, a, a job or something. And, and I think that that's one of the things I'm I'm the most proud of, and I I think because of that you get you get some pretty decent results. And again, there, there's that there's that New Jersey work ethic, you know.
3: Yep. there you go. So you know, to, looking way back, let's look, let's go way back to like. Nineteen eighty-seven, I think. So well, I, I, I think you're going to say like the Kennedy administration or World War Two. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it doesn't feel way back for me when I say nineteen eighty-seven. That does not feel way back for me, but it kind of is way back I now, ca- isn't
0: it? <laughs> I have cars that are older than that. <laughs> I know.
3: Let's be honest. I know uh, eighty-seven. Okay. It's, it's been a while. Eighty-seven. So taking over, huh? taking over, overkill album called taking over. It's It's really now viewed as one of the most respected and influential thrash albums of the 80s metal scene. So I'm curious, looking back all these years, way, way back, (laughs) What um, what kind of memories do you have of recording sessions for that album?
0: Oh, I don't know. I was drunk. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> <It's probably less. laughs> I'm sorry, I just like saying that <laughs> it, was, uh, it was unique for us uh, We worked. Uh, this was our second record um, Now obviously you don't gain a, a ton of experience From record one to record two I, I think that what we did realize Is that we wanted to create a signature sound and, and that sound was going to be a wall of guitars And I think that was the only precursor We went to the studio with uh, the other thing I remember was that between the first and second records, on a, on a personal level, I, I had started developing what was called polyps on my vocal cords. Oh, wow. The polyps, it's a simple thing. It's mm-hmm. like it's like a wart. It's an abrasion. It's, uh, you know, a uh, skin irritation, but it can develop into what's called notes, and then it can kind of shut you down if you're, you know, using your pipes to express yourself. mm mm-hmm. But I started taking singing lessons as to sing correctly. And, you know, I mean, obviously, obviously that's uh, to opinion or uh, whether I'm doing it or not uh, right. But more the pops way, And I started singing differently on the Taking Over record as opposed to the first record. And I thought to me that was one of the more notab- notable differences on the records was that woe of guitars and that the vocal, even though the music was uh, more aggressive and heavy, uh, the vocal is actually a cleaner vocal than the first uh, record because of uh, that follow-up situation. Uh, the producer was Alex Perialis, who was uh, at the top of his game for this. So I think that you put all those three things together, and that kind of helped with the sound of the record or those recording sessions, which we had done in Ithaca, New York, uh, a place called Pyramid. So uh, they're probably in my three memories of it.
3: Yeah. So I'm curious then, did you ever have any surgical intervention with, with? did it ever develop into nodes where you had to have surgery or has, you know, the trick, have the tricks you've learned as a vocalist helped out?
0: No, it was, it was really simple. It was just, it was, you, it, you know, very much like somebody working out um, with weights uh, that if they were lifting something wrong continuously, they were mm-hmm. going to tear a muscle or they were going to do damage further. I, I, I was diagnosed or found the damage uh, before I had done that. So all I had to really do was learn how to use that muscle correctly. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, at the point of, of, of polyp, it was starting to develop.
3: Yeah. Uh, as it started polyp-
0: to develop.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so it was just a matter of where actually the vocal cords become stronger and they actually wear away any of that abrasion. Uh, By using them correctly, uh, as opposed to straining them all the time, and they helped me forever sing on the road. And I mean, to this day, I still use uh, the techniques I was taught in that year uh, to warm up before shows in, you know, 2016. So it's so it's something. Yeah, it's something that you know. It was something that was uh, you know for me. uh, You know, probably the luck uh, because somebody said, "Hey, this is what's happening to you," and I was like, "Oh." And I better go get this looked into and started uh, doing, like, a little research. And I ended up with a guy in New York City named Don Lawrence who told a whole bunch of people from my era, the era before, and, and, and even afterwards. And uh, he said, yep, this is what you have, and we can we can make it work if you if you just follow my instructions. So so cool. it worked out well
3: for me. And that worked out. So uh, after that came out then, you guys went out on the road with Megadeth, right? Did you go out on their Peace Sells Who's Buying tour? Who's that? Yeah, it was Peace
0: taking over, that's correct.
3: And taking over. So what memories do you have of that tour? Anything that sticks out to you? Was that, was that a good time?
0: Well, we, we had known Dave and, and the guys, you know, prior, even on their first record, uh, 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 Killing Is My Business. Um, the, you know, the, the whole thrash chain kind of exploded on two coasts and in, and in Germany you know, kind of at one time, you know, it was, uh, we were all kind of bastard cousins of each other uh, to some degree. So, you know, when, when bands from the West Coast would come to the East Coast, we would go out and see them and vice versa, or, you know, so creator come into town uh, earlier on, we would come, we would go see them, or if we were touring Germany, we would, you know, see creator destruction or something like so. So we, we had already experienced with Megadeth, um, and I think that... You know, this was the MTV era where, uh, you know, Peace Cells was actually, I think, the song they used to do MTV news. You know, they would would break into the bass riff, you know. So Megadeth was on a, you know, was on a rocket ship that was was taking them higher at that particular time. And we were still kind of grinding it out in the foxholes, you know, throwing hand grenades. You know, but (laughs) it was... um, uh, it was a fun tour because I think, it, you know, there were, it was about the unexplained. Nobody knew what bigger was at the time. All we knew was we were doing what we wanted to do.
1: Yeah.
0: And, but as the tour progressed, I think that we saw, and this is both fans, not just Overkill, that we were reaching more people with this than... You know, it was ever anticipated, um, or or ever before in our careers. So it was a really good one-two punch. Um, I think the third band on the bill was a band out of Detroit called the Necros, which is uh, was actually this uh, this punk band that did uh, used uh, rap Think. I don't know if you remember but it, but he was uh, it was an yeah. artist's uh, rendition of a rat uh, smoking a cigarette <laughs> as their as their logo. So it was so it was a cool uh, one-two-three kind of a punch.
3: Very cool. And then fast forward to coming up, I think, next week. Are you going out to Knot Fest with the Slipknot guys? Is that next week in California? Yeah,
0: see, I was on Saturday. We're on Sunday uh, on the Knot Fest out in San Bernardino at the, at the big pavilion out there. Um, we've been out there on a few tours. Actually, with Megadeth in, uh, I guess, 08 on Gigantour. And then we went out and did a show with Maiden uh, two, in 2012. And now this will be our third time out there at this pavilion, but it's supposed to be a madhouse. I mean, uh, three or four stages, um, you know, Anstrax, Slipknot, uh, End, 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 right down the line, plenty of uh, trivium, plenty of headbanging all the way through the day, so uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, it's good to see these festivals hitting the U.S. at, you know, at the frequency they are and, and also at the uh, grandeur and size that they are.
3: Yeah, I know. I know. So I've heard some people complain, oh, you know, there are too many of these festivals, this and that. It's like, I never get tired of them. And people are coming. People are buying tickets. So, I mean, even this even the one coming up in Jersey, it's not like it's right. It's kind of, in, it's like down by the shore, I think. You know, and I think there's still going to be a ton of people there having the time of their lives, you know. So, I never get tired of it. Bring it on. <laughs> well, it's a great celebration, you know. I mean, yeah. that's really what it is. I mean, You know, in a perfect
0: world, I think a band wants to present themselves as they see themselves to be. And in a festival situation, you can't always do that. But if you kind of put that on the side and say, okay, I'll save that for the headline tour, but I'll be part of this explosion, this celebration, um, it really, to me, shows the value of the music, whether it be the Rock Carnival or whether it be uh, the Knotfest, is that if you get this many people interested in this kind of a thing, Boy, you're holding something really powerful in your hands. You know, it is a it is a complete group group effort between, you know, those performing and those attending. Yeah. Uh, that that becomes one of the places on the face of the earth at that particular time that's got the most energy in it. So it's, it's kind of cool to be part of that. I mean, it's uh, it kind of bleeds the pores and gets you high. You know.
3: Very. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I can't imagine being on stage, but I just know being in the audience. That kind of energy, something you don't feel often. And whenever people say, "Oh, you know, rock is dead," this or that, I say, "Why don't you come with me to the rock carnival and I'll show you what rocks." Rock
0: is not dead. Why don't you? Well, it's not like it when people say rock is dead because they don't ever show up at that place to bring any bad fucking energy.
2: Exactly.
3: <laughs> That's a good point. Right. So, yeah, you're, you're right. Beat it. <laughs> so one of my favorite one of my favorite memories. Of you and talking metal is when you jammed a Motorhead song when um, with from Mark with Mark and John my husband and John astronomy from Ostrowski, whatever you want to call him from this show and I know you're a big Motorhead fan so did you did you get to hang out with Lemmy much I know you know we lost him this past year so everyone's talking about Lemmy but did we ever stop talking about Lemmy um, I remember.
0: I remember what you're talking about
3: specifically. It was, with, it was the band, we called it
0: Turtlehead. Turtlehead. <laughs> Mike Portnoy port stood up and said, Why don't we call ourselves Turtlehead? We said, I'm in. Frank Bellow on the bass, John and Mark on guitars, me doing the vocals. We did uh, Motorhead's Overkill. Yes, you and did. And it was a uh, fantastic performance. And yes, I you know I got to know Lemmy. I, I, after the Megadeth tour, we, we had done uh, a triple thread across the U.S., and that was Slayer Motorhead Overkill. And. Um, so we had met those guys back in, uh, I think the record they were doing was 1916. And it was um, uh, when they had two guitars. They had uh, Phil Campbell and they had Wurzel on guitar. Uh, Lemmy, obviously, and Silphy Animal Taylor on the drums. And, you know, through the years I'd run into these guys. And Wurzel had uh, left, and Mickey D come in on drums. And, and Lemmy still remember your name. The, you know, all the way through. Hey, Bobby Blitz, how are you? Amazing. Hey, Bobby Blitz, stop over in my dressing room. Nice. And I remember, and this is my, you know, my Lemmy moment, because many of the other ones are personal, but this one was actually in public. And uh, it was 2008, and he we were touring with them as uh, direct support to Motorhead through Europe. Uh, we were in Germany on the last night. And my sound guy, uh, my light guy comes up to me, Big Eric, and says, "Let wants to see you for a few minutes. And I walk in and hey, Len, what's going on? He goes, I want you to come up and sing overkill with me tonight. And I was like, Fuck, this is gonna be great. Right. Yeah. But I know the song cold. I mean, you saw me performing a talking metal, that's not the point. But I was nervous, you know. Now I'm doing it with the guy who wrote the song. So I, I take on my on my forearm, I write the first word of each verse on my forearm. Watch out the first verse, you're right. Well, sure enough, he catches me right in the middle of the song and yells right in the microphone, "Cheat notes!" Right, <laughs> so I don't know what. There's ten thousand crazy motor headbangers in Berlin
3: <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, I've yeah. been caught by the guy who wrote the song. <laughs> oh, and the irony of the so, situation like, is you knew the song cold, you know, it's just... Oh,
0: crazy, right? I just didn't want to screw it up. So in any case, I, I totally panic. I dive into the audience of all these people, right? <laughs> and he's leaning over and I could see that toothy grin to this day. I'm upside down in the crowd and I could see him leaning over mouthing the words, cheat, no, <laughs> cheat, no. <laughs>
3: (laughs) You never lived it down either. You will never Uh, live it down. uh, Well, you know something? It's a great memory. And uh, let's say that that is my motor moment. That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, if I would give anything for Lummy to bust my balls about anything. So. <laughs>
0: but I gotta tell you something. He, he took me back to the dressing room afterwards and played me demos of this rockabilly stuff he had been doing. And we, we sat there and had a drink and and had a good laugh over the sheet notes. So it was. Uh, it actually worked out great. It was uh, in retrospect one of my
3: uh, one of my uh, fondest moments of being on the road. That's amazing. I love that story. Thank you so much. Well, I'm, I'm really oh. looking forward to seeing you at Rock Carnival. I can't wait. I, I mean, it's been, gosh, it's been too long since I've seen you guys live. I mean, I saw what's the festival that Megadeth did? Oh, gosh, I saw you at PNC, like, years ago at this point. Might be the last time I saw you guys. So I'm really looking forward yeah. to it. Um, Mark and John and I will be there. Let's all grab a drink after the Overkill set. We'll definitely come say hi to you. And... We're really grateful to have you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on today, Bobby. Oh,
0: thanks for your time. Do my best to Mark, and uh, I look forward to seeing everybody at the Rock Carnival. Will do.
3: All right. We'll talk soon.
2: heard was the classic overkill song going way back coma great stuff and Emily great job with this interview and on behalf of myself and all the talking metal listeners thank you for doing these because as I explained before I work during the day as do you but you work from home so you have a little more flexibility to throw everything together technically and call these people up and do an interview and you're doing an excellent excellent job honestly I mean that
3: you're really nice um, because I'm very new to this and I'm, I'm a huge talking metal fan. So to all the listeners out there, like I've been a fan alongside of all of you for many years now. And so to be able to have this opportunity is awesome. I do feel extremely awkward to be honest with you sometimes because it's a new experience for me, but I'm really enjoying it. And this interview in particular was so much fun. I mean, I love Bobby Blitz, I I have stories, like Mark can tell you, like, I love Bobby Blitz. He does this crazy dance move where he does this, like, head-banging thing and he does this, like, pelvic thrust at the same time. (laughs) It's, like, the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. But um, I've had the opportunity of, like, hanging with him at at least once and his lovely wife. And, like, he's just, like, the real deal. There's no other word for Bobby Blitz. Like, there's no other way to explain him except that he... He he's authentic. He's totally personable. And he's he's just like New Jersey. There's something about like, I guess I'm not I guess I'm not born and raised in New Jersey, but I'm a Jersey girl now. And he just pulls at my heartstrings because he's the real deal.
2: And the thing I love about him is when you talk to him, he seems genuinely interested in what you're saying. It's not just all about him. He, he makes you feel important, uh, and he's you know, a great guy to just have a conversation with.
3: Yeah, I mean, and he's, to me, he's, he's a total rock star, but he's a rock star who doesn't take himself too seriously, he, and he works for it. He still takes his fans very seriously and what he does very seriously, and it just comes across. And I have so much respect for him
2: absolutely me too and just a great band such an important band in the history of heavy metal and the history of thrash and emily thanks for doing that interview really appreciate it and a great job on all these interviews so far guys this is hello from the gutter classic overkill here on talking metal That was Hello From the Gutter, classic overkill here on Talking Metal. Guys, please leave a review for Talking Metal on iTunes. That is helpful. You can you don't even have to write one up, you can just like rate us with stars there. Tell your friends about Talking Metal. You can also buy a Talking Metal t-shirt in the merch section on TalkingMetal.com. You can give us a PayPal donation. And you can use our Amazon links to link you over to Amazon where you make all your purchases uh, as you normally would with no markup, nothing like that. It's just an additional step going to Talking Metal to use our links to link you over to Amazon. And you guys do use those links, and I appreciate that. And that's going to do it. You can keep in touch with me on Twitter. You can like Talking Metal's Facebook page. You can friend me on Facebook. And what else? Uh, if, If you prefer email... Hit me up at mark at talkingmetal.com. All right. Thanks so much, guys. We'll end things with one of my favorite Overkill songs, which I wish would end up back in the set list. It's called Power Surge. Classic, classic stuff right here on Talking Metal. This will take us out. We'll see you next time, guys. Thanks.